little podcast here called Two Cute Girls. And we have a very special guest with us today on the podcast. It is somebody who's uh, new-ish to our community, but um, very tightly connected to our main community leader, Lorraine. <laughs> and so we're excited to dig in and explore. We think she has lots that lots in common with kind of what we think about, talk about, and how we do things. Her name's Jacqueline Evans. She is a nutrition coach and personal trainer, and she is the creator of Move the Needle Nutrition, which is her coaching, her personal coaching program. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. We sound really professional. I just have to say. <laughs> I love it. That's what it's all about. Casual, right? Casual, approachable, real life. Will you, tell us a, will you tell us a little bit about, um, you were just talking about it before, kind of your tagline or your philosophy that, that moves you through your Absolutely. business. Absolutely. So I am a nutrition coach and personal trainer, as you said. Um, do a lot of remote work, online work, and have been working with Lorraine now for a couple months. Um, my niche is I love to work with women who are just chronic dieters. And the fact that it was women kind of naturally evolved because we are the ones dieting all the damn time. Right. Um, so I like to say I work with chronic dieters who want to find like forever fat loss. Right. Um, and most are surprised that when they come to me, it's like, well, we're not going to find fat loss just yet. Right we're going to do it the right way. So I like to teach people that nutrition is honestly not that complicated, right? Like in scientific terms, it can be really simple to kind of achieve fat loss, achieve maintenance. It's just really difficult to execute on your own. Um, and a lot of that is because we've kind of been messing with our metabolisms and our system for so many years with these messy, messy diets. So that's what I love to do. Um, that's what excites me. And, you know, that's who I want to work with. And it's so funny, Jacqueline, I think I found you, we did a coaching. So I love having a coach. I love being a coach. Um, we met through a business coaching program. And I don't even think I realized that you worked with chronic dieters because I don't think I would have called myself a chronic dieter. I think what I noticed is that my metabolism felt like it was not on track. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like I could sort of do what I wanted, but I, it felt like there was something a little bit off, whether it was hormones, nutrition. Um, I focus a lot on sleep. I love to exercise and it feels like it come, it comes from kind of a sports background growing mm -hmm. up. So it was really interesting to find out what you did after I was already attracted to your philosophy, this idea of holistic health and wellness. And it felt like we spoke the same language before the word dieter or metabolism even came right. into it. It felt like there was room to take care of yourself on a higher level, which is where I love to go. This idea of being healthy and well for the long term instead of this short term stuff. And so when I would start to get to know you and then follow you, you know, as we coach together, we follow each other's pages and learn about each other's messages. Um, it just seemed like, oh, I'm even more curious. And then the idea of your company being called Move the Needle, that's something that I feel like I was drawn to right away. That's what I try to do. Right. We try to do with our people in yoga, in the gratitude adjustment, with meditation. We really believe in this philosophy of just taking one small thing or something that can seem small and really moving the needle in a direction that allows them to keep creating these really healthy habits for the long term. 
hundred percent. And that's what it's all about, right? Like I always like to say small changes swing big doors. And that's like the least sexy thing on earth to sell people. <laughs> so I love that you say you were like following me for a while, because I do think it takes people sometimes weeks and months to see like, okay, this lady's crazy. She's saying like, if I drink more water, it's going to speed up my metabolism. But like, yes, that's the whole point. Like these simple little habits that you can just stack over time and allow to snowball, make a huge difference. And I love that you said you never thought of yourself as a dieter, right? Because everybody that comes to me doesn't. Oh, it's so common. I've never, I've never really dieted, right? But then when we look at their, their diet history, which is a massive part of the intake and something that a lot of coaches really skip over, which is crazy to me because it mm. determines everything that we do and the plan that we lay out. When we look at their food logs, I mean, it's the standard prescribed female diet, 1200 to 1500 calories. That's all females need. And that's all a lie, right? The science says otherwise. And I always go back to that, the science. Evidence-based coaching um, is honestly what I'm all about. So I love that you said that because nobody thinks, oh, I'm a chronic dieter, right? But ultimately, I always say, if you've tried two or more quick fixes, you're a chronic dieter. Mm. Right? And they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. Right? And nobody it's, it's super common. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't diet that often. Right. But when you're not dieting, I always say like, well, what are you doing? Right. And it's, you fall into these two camps where you're kind of like YOLO eating, whatever, doing whatever you want. Um, or you're living that restrictive lifestyle, even unknowingly because you're busy and you're skipping meals, super common for women to skip breakfast. Or I just had a coffee. And then I had some kind of meal replacement. The, the, I hate that word. I was like, yeah. no, have a meal. Um, but it's, again, we're, we get busy and we also have these like subconscious, you know, thoughts hanging over our head, whether we're even like performing them purposefully or not, mm -hmm. where women should not be eating large meals. Women should not be eating, you know, four to five meals a day. Like that's for the men to be doing. And mm. women should not be lifting heavy weights, which I'm sure we'll get into as well. So I'm all about breaking that down and making sure that women understand like, you know, your stress, it's not just workouts, but your stress mm. levels and your busy life needs support and you have to fuel that. Yeah. It's interesting because in the yoga world, I think it's almost commonplace to hear about what are essentially crash diets as mm. being healthy, right? Mm -hmm. So remember, I don't know, eight to 10 years ago with the juicing mm. and like, um, it's, it's actually come back sort of more mainstream. I think it was really, um, in the, in the yoga industry, there was like, we had these fridges and these, these juice companies would stock the fridges that people would order and they would go on their juice cleanses for three, 10, 30 days or whatever it is. <laughs> it's and crazy. It's crazy. And now you hear these, you hear advertisements mm -hmm. um, on the radio for these, it's the same concept, except it's direct to consumer. And um, even more recently, like the whole 30, which is a wholesome way to eat, but if you ask me, it's, a, it's, if you're going to crash, the, the, that's going to be a crash. Like hundred percent. What happens on day 31? I always say, like, <laughs> yes. yeah, I always say if your diet has a name, like be suspect of it. Right. Like <laughs> the way we eat doesn't have to have a name. You know what I mean? We can just eat mostly whole single ingredient foods. Um, but I'm all about practicing balance because I think that this, at this point, the standard American diet, like is what it is. And the way our social situations are kind of 
run around cocktails and restaurants and, and things like that. Like, it's really important for people to learn how to navigate that and not in a way of like, no, I'm not going to have any at all. Um, mm. And like bring my own Tupperware to parties. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, Lorraine can testify. Like I want people to practice balance. Like it, it should feel more natural and it's okay if it doesn't at first, but like getting people there um, is going to take time, but it's really important to me because it's not going anywhere. You know, your girlfriends are, still going to invite you out for like wine night. And there's still going to be a million Christmas parties with cookies and, and all this stuff. So you've got to learn to navigate it um, in a really healthy way, in a moderate way, and in a way where you're still fueling your body with an appropriate amount of macronutrients and an appropriate amount of micronutrients. It's not elusive and you can get there. Right. And that's, that's what I love to do. I also think you stress being happy, like not only navigating and, you know, kind of engaging, it's actually being happy that you have these social situations, that there is abundance around us, that we can live our lives and make sure that it feels like we're whole human beings instead of our brains being occupied with what we did or didn't or will or won't eat. Exactly. Imagine like being at, you know, whatever, some kind of cocktail party and all you're sitting there stressing about is like, whoa, I'd really like to eat those cookies or like, I can't have this. And what am I going to have? Again, it's, it's not about perfectionism. Like, like you said, like there's joy in those moments. Mm. Why wouldn't you want to attend? Why wouldn't you want to participate without the guilt looming over you of like, I'm going to overdo it or like, I should need this or I should need that. But yeah, I love that. It seems silly, right? Like the, that would even be a thing. It's so common, you know, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. To me, it feels like it's you're using tools like being present and mindful about what you're eating, but also being present in that you're not like obsessively thinking about what Mm -hmm. you're eating and you're trying to find balance. So what tools do you use with people to get them over that kind of patterned habit that they may or may not have where they're where they're doing that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So the vast majority of my clients at some point with working with me are going to track macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fat, because I'm a big believer that education is what's going to ultimately lead you to compliance, right? So like most people in the standard American way are vastly under eating protein, which has, you know, tons of health implications. Um, Never mind that, but like most of them are vastly under eating protein and they're you know, crushing CrossFit workouts and, and F45 and orange theory and all these super high intense things that they're not recovering from. So we're going to track macronutrients based on their individual lifestyle, their height, their weight, their age. What are they doing for activity? What are their stress levels? Like, what is your sleep? Like, what is your digestion? Like, right? Like, it's not just about your body composition, um, in my coaching program, it's whole body because it all matters. And when you start tracking those things, you really start to understand the red flags that your body's going to be throwing up as far as like, is this diet working for you? Is this fitness program working for you? Um, if your sleep's disrupted, your digestion is a mess, you're stressed out to the max, like these things matter and they disrupt your everyday life. Um, so that's a large part of it, but I come at it with an approach of the only time you need to be like really strict with tracking macros. And I mean, like going in as accurate as you can be, you're using a scale, you're really pre-planning your day the night before is when you're in what I would call like a fat loss phase, right? So a diet for most people and the diet shouldn't last more than 12 weeks. 
um, you know, if you have a lot of weight to lose, you might make like a year long plan where we're kind of like implementing, you know, refeeds and diet breaks and pause within the diet. That's a different story. But for the vast majority of women who come to me that are like, I just want to lose 10 pounds and tone up, right? You shouldn't be in an energy deficit or a diet, AKA fat loss phase for longer than 12 weeks. And that's the only time that you should really be diligent. Cause I always say, if you're going to go for it, a, make sure you're in a good place to start it. Right. And we can get into that. That's about maintenance. That's about laying the foundation, get in, get it done, pay attention to your body's red flags that it may be throwing up and get out of there, right? Reverse diet, get yourself back to maintenance, understand what a typical day at maintenance for you and your lifestyle, again, and all of your factors should look like, because that truly is the piece that most people do not understand that I think could change everyone's life. If you would understand you know, what is your specific total daily energy expenditure? Like, what are you burning in a given day? Because your body doesn't want less than that. It doesn't necessarily want more than that either, right? That's why it starts to, you know, store body fat. But ultimately, dieting is not health, right? Like, that's mm. some people assume eating less, restricting, consuming less energy is health. And it's not giving your body what it needs and giving your body plenty of micronutrients and eating appropriate portions of macronutrients is health. Feeling energetic is health. Sleeping eight hours a night and feeling well-rested when you wake up is health. Feeling really fueled and strong during your chosen workout modality is health. Having regular digestion is health. Um, so I'm all about the data and the science, as you can see, we collect it, but I, I want to make sure that if people are using macros, they're not using it in like an obsessive way, right? Like Lorraine is at more of a maintenance phase now. So it's flexible. We estimate, we guesstimate, we're simply trying to make sure she's getting an appropriate amount of protein and carbohydrates and fat for her body and her system right now. But you know, there's no need to be obsessive because truly it's not an exact science. And all of my clients understand that, um, it's important that they understand that when, you know, when they're celebrating, like, Hey, I hit them perfectly to the zero. It's like, well, no, you didn't. <laughs> There's no such thing. Right. That interest, couple entries could be wrong and things like that. I think the point is just, we, we ultimately are going to manage what we measure. Um, so if for a time you want to have a better understanding of your needs, um, and what it would take to create fat loss and what it would take to create muscle gain or performance goals, um, you got to understand your needs at the end of the day. And you got to measure some data and see what works. Otherwise you're kind of just shooting in the dark. Mm. Um, but on a very mindset level, we definitely dive into that and discovering your why. And, and again, just, I'm sure Lorraine can testify, not obsessing. We got to take like a clear approach, but you also had to remember that like life is going to get in the way, um, as much as it possibly can. That's kind of what it does. And if you're assuming that you can do this in a vacuum, then um, sorry to disappoint, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. So Jill, can you see why it felt like it aligned with our concepts of avoiding burnout? Like it felt like she oh was speaking our language in terms of keeping yourself healthy and knowing what to reach for when, so you do have enough energy. Yeah, I think it's so interesting how we talk a lot about, first of all, when we're working with people in the gratitude adjustment, we ask them to start tracking kind of their sleep and their exercise. Yeah. We don't, um, we actually don't have a nutrition kind of portion to it. And 
in our LPY culture, it's, it's funny because we actually never talk about, uh, we're, we're yoga and bar studio, but we, as teachers don't talk about people's bodies like that. Like I think we will refer to people's bodies not even really we don't even really refer to people sometimes in the terms of like strength and building strength but mm. essentially we don't talk about losing weight or um yoga as a means to to burn. lose weight i guess yeah. yeah to burn anything yes exactly maybe Typically. burn energy right i think we might even talk about helping the fluctuations of the mind with yoga but it's not we don't talk about it in terms of like the shape of your body Yes. Maybe feeling your muscles. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. And so, um, and what we do firmly believe in, I think both from the gratitude adjustment and as as from teaching yoga is that there is a balance between kind of where, you know, you want to live in your sympathetic state and your parasympathetic state, your productivity and your relaxation, but there has to be that balance. And so we talk a lot about how, if you're, if you're not in the balance, like if you're wound up all the time, your body isn't going to be doing the things it needs to be doing, like metabolizing correctly. Oh my God, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, or digesting or whatever, you know, whatever it is that the body needs to be doing. I love that because everybody is, and I say everybody, when I say that, like, you know, I track all my clients data and the vast majority of people coming to me are in that state of like, heightened stress hormones. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are unaware. And it takes sometimes like a few, you know, check-ins and things like that for me to be like, I think you're like super stressed. Like they'll rate their stress. Like it's good. It's like a two or a three. And then we dive deeper and I'm like, wow, it's just become so common for everybody to just be busy, busy, busy on the go. Like society, we really glorify that. So, Mm. and like you said, it's, it's, if it's not normal, just because it's common, it's not normal. Your body doesn't want to be like that. I mean, if you go way back to how we evolved, those hormones are really only present in our body to protect us from like immediate danger. Yes. Um, and the thing is in today's society, like there's no saber tooth tigers around the corner, right? Mm. Like your new saber tooth tiger is like your, your boss. Who's like, you know, on your butt about something that like you haven't gotten done for work or whatever. So it's, it's become this state of like, everybody's up here with the stress hormones all the mm. time. That's not how it should be. It should really, you know, ebb and flow and, And we just shouldn't be in that heightened state of like constant stress. It makes it hard for your body to do anything, let alone, you know, have a a healthy fat loss phase. So anyone who comes to me where stress is super heightened, again, we're going to lay the foundation and make sure that I call it banking those parasympathetic moments. Right. And one of the ways I recommend is yoga, um, Mm -hmm. reading, journaling, walking in nature with no phones. Um, these kinds of things are things that we just as a society we don't prioritize anymore Um, I think that's what I was drawn to as well that idea of instead of pushing more seeing progress coming from taking your foot off the gas and resting more and that language really spoke to me in terms of what I want my life to look like I don't want to be so preoccupied with pushing and achieving and striving only to not 
feel like I'm getting anywhere in terms of healthy, happy, present. Um, and I think it's so common with like, let's go, let's spin, burn calories and do all the things. And then we're in this flighty place where we mm-hmm. can't settle when our families need us most. And no, so, and we're not recovering from it. Right. Like I right. think when people are ultimately like, I want to be healthier, I want to be fitter, whatever their goals might be. Mm it's like more, more, more is the answer. And so, Mm. you know, more fitness, um, less food. So like more dieting, more, I'll add in a run to my, you know, five day lift and I'm doing yoga twice a week. And it's like, when are you recovering from all of that? Mm. You know, you're sleeping five or six hours a night. You're saying it's disrupted multiple times. It's like, where is the recovery? It's not prioritized in our society. So I always like to really make sure people understand that sometimes less is more like there's Mm. obviously two very different camps, but the person I attract is exactly what you just said. Right. And it was you maybe like eight or nine months ago of Mm. like, I feel like I work so hard and you think in your head that you should look a certain way or, or especially when you work in this industry, I feel Mm. like, but you should look a certain way because of the effort that you're putting in. And people are sometimes surprised. Like you said, if you just pull your foot off the gas Mm. a little bit, um, you know, things will kind of start to fall into place because recovery is everything you can lift and you can run and you can do, and you can spin and do all of these things, but the positive adaptation happens when you recover. So if the recovery isn't present or it's, you know, way out of whack with, um, the training stressors, right? Because Mm -hmm. training is a stress, not necessarily yoga, but if you're doing any of any cardio or any, you know, strength training, it's a stress. Um, and if you're not recovering from it, then you're not positively adapting. So that's why a lot of people feel so stuck, right? The recovery is ultimately what's missing. And two main recovery pieces, honestly, are sleep and enough calories. And a lot of people, especially the clients I attract are not prioritizing those two things. Is there a difference between sleep and active recovery? We hear the term active recovery in our industry a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm not even sure what it exactly means. I imagine it means something like restorative yoga or absolutely something, something yeah. like that. So is there a difference between sleep and active recovery or can they be bucketed into the same? No way. Very different. Um, so sleep is going to be like very restorative. That's really when you're going to recover from everything, life, stress, injuries, illness, um, your workout, all of it. Um, active recovery is something that really, you know, came about the last few years and just from this type A camp of people who do more, more, more turned into like, well, now I can work out seven days a week. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think I did a post once that was like, you know, your 5k is not active recovery. Like your three mile run is not active recovery. So I'm a big proponent of moving your body every single day. Um, and even the clients that I do programming for, like, there's only going to be three days a week tops where you're pushing intensity for some people in their lifestyle. It might be less. We'll be programming in lower intensity days. Um, and then active recovery to me, um, once or twice a week is really walking yoga and yoga that is gentle, right? Like I'm not talking about hot yoga. You're in a room that's 90 degrees. Your heart rate is elevated. It's all about kind of keeping your heart rate at a certain level and really just going for blood flow because blood flow is very important for recovery. So when I think of active recovery, that's what I think about. Just get the, get the blood moving. And the best way to do that and the way that I utilize it, honestly, is just walking. 
on my rest days, I'm definitely going to take um, at least two short walks, or if I can really dedicate an hour to like a nice three mile walk, then I'll go for it. But it's, it's leisurely, there's no jogging involved. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it's something, again, it's just a term that was so it's abused even to this day, people kind of took it, you know, a certain camp of people rather, but took it and just ran with it and figured, well, this is my excuse to kind of <laughs> keep pushing myself seven days a week. So it's really, really important that people understand, um, you know, getting the blood flow is not the same thing as like doing an actual workout where now your heart rate is in zone three, zone four, and your body's just working. It's not necessarily recovering at all, but sleep is number one. We got to prioritize that first and foremost, right? Like if someone's not recovering, um, I want to look at their sleep and obviously their calorie intake, um, and maybe even like protein levels and stuff like that. But I'm glad you brought that up. That's an important point. I also you- add mobility and foam rolling in that too, to kind Huge. of think about blood flow and active recovery. Yes. Hugely important. And so overlooked, right? Again, mm. like people are really like, this is super stiff and I always say like, I can trust you to take care of that stuff, but that's a lot of my clients. I have to be on them about that. And I was real bad about that for many years um, when I was like in the CrossFit space and really, you know, pushing myself like that type A client that I was kind of just talking about. Yeah, I was skipping all that stuff. I was never mobilizing and I, I couldn't figure out why only, you know, in my thirties, why is my elbow sore? Why is my neck sore? Why are my Mm. knees sore? There's no recovery present. So you know, you're kind of just grinding your gears at that point, but yeah, Mm. super important. What do you tell people about sleep when they're not sleeping well? Sleep is tough because it's some of the practices that I ask them to put in place. And we'll go over that are, and there's no instant gratification with it. Like sometimes they won't even see improvements initially. Um, like they kind of have to just keep going with it. And a lot of it is, um, going to be like hormones and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of it is also calories. So if we can correct their calories, that's probably the first thing that we're going to see, right? Like if she, someone, let's take an example, Mrs. Jones comes to me at 1200 calories. She's eating super low carb. Um, we're obviously going to start pushing calories up and there should be, unless things are real bad, like a natural, um, progression with improved sleep simply because calories are going to be, um, a really important calories and hormones are really closely tied together. Right. So I don't want to go into a rabbit hole here, but like when people assume like, it's just my hormones, well, it's like, well, where are your calories though? Do you know Mm. what I mean? Because the way that your hormones are going to ebb and flow is, is really going to be directly tied to like how much energy you're giving yourself. And again, people's sometimes their sleep is disrupted because their sleep hormones can be off, right? Like sometimes it's that simple. Like we talked about cortisol that should be highest in the morning. Um, for someone who is super stressed and not sleeping well, they might be seeing that spike at night and that's why they can't get to sleep. So calories are going to be the first thing we walk, work on getting them to adequate energy levels. Um, and then I talk a lot about sleep hygiene. So no scrolling, you know, like, you know, scrolling your phone, like while you're lying in bed, trying to go to sleep is a no, no. I always tell them like, if you can get a regular old alarm clock, do that and get your phone out of your room. I sleep like that. And it's been a game changer for me. Um, and then adding some kind of evening routine is huge as well, right? Like, can you do a little bit of mobility, some deep diaphragmatic breathing when you're kind of setting yourself up for sleep? 
Can you read for 10 minutes? Can you journal for 10 minutes? Like ultimately I always tell people, I don't care what it is. It's going to be different for everybody. Like what moves your needle? You know what I mean? But you've got to find these relaxing, like parasympathetic activities to kind of train your body. Like I always acute it to equate it to like a toddler, right? Like those of us that have had kids at some point you had to sleep train. Um, my six-year-old like still gets out of bed if we don't do his like nighttime routine, whether it's shower and we read and we talk about our day, right? In total, it takes maybe 45 minutes. But if we do it, I know that he's not getting out of his bed. So mm-hmm. it's really like adults are the same way. Like you've got to find these little things that kind of train your body like, oh, she's getting ready for bed right now. And so that's why I say there's no instant gratification. Like, it's not like you're going to read before bed and put your phone away and you're just going to sleep like a baby. It's going to take a little time for your body to recognize, um, and for your hormones to kind of adjust. But like, ultimately, you know, those things don't matter if your, your total energy levels that you're taking in through the day, you know, AKA calories are, are super low to the point where your body's like in this heightened state and it can't relax for the evening. But sleep is big it's, it's, it's individual, right? Like I'm someone that's like nine hours or bust. And then I have other people where seven hours might be fine, but again, your body's going to throw up those red flags, um, in many different ways. If your sleep is not on par, it's, it's really important. And we live in, you know, a society where it's like team, no sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's like, Mm. you'll be dead soon. If you don't figure that out, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Shaving years off your life, if anything. You think most women count their calories? Uh, A lot of the people that come to me do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think obviously when you own a coaching business, you speak to Mm, your, your ideal client. Do you know what I mean? And so that's who I've been targeting because it's like when they are tracking, okay, if you, if you want to do that, let's do it. And, but let's do it right. And let's understand that tracking calories or macros is not a diet, but they're treating it as solely a diet. So in a lot of ways, it looks very abusive and restrictive and obsessive in that way. Right. And so it's a part of what I love to do is show them that, that it doesn't have to come from a place of dieting. Like I'm Mm. tracking right now, but in a calorie surplus, because I would love to put on a little bit of muscle this winter. It has nothing to do with wanting to be smaller or wanting to lose weight. So I like to show people that it's a tool. It doesn't have to be used 365 days a year. It's an extremely powerful tool as far as like teaching you what your body needs and and finding out what works with, without shooting in the dark, essentially, you know what I mean? So I first started tracking Jill, you might remember it was, um, my mom had died. Yep. And, uh, I was trying to figure out all the things like what my life was going to look like with, you know, being a mom without a mom. And so I joined this program called Stronger You. And what was so interesting is I'd never tracked before and I didn't really know what they did. Um, I loved the name Mm -hmm. and a friend had done it. And so I jumped in and it was all about tracking macros, which was really interesting because not too long after, I think I joined in like April. And then in October, my oldest was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And so they brought out an app called my fitness pal to help me figure out his carbs and to treat him and balance his insulin and his blood sugar. Um, so it was, 
such an eye-opening thing. And it was so interesting to have been drawn to it before I actually had to do all those things to manage a type one diabetic. But then it left me, their thing was always cutting and less and less. And they wanted your body to, it felt like I started to get into that starvation mode, which is probably why when I came to you, it was like, I'm doing this. It doesn't feel right. Nothing feels Mm -hmm. balanced. And so that's why it's been so interesting to use tracking as a, in a different way, not so much for fat loss or to kind of find my minimum. It was actually the opposite to find how much, like we've stretched how much I can eat and feel good and sleep well and recover well and lift heavy if I want to, um, or take a break from all of it and just feel the freedom of being healthy and happy and knowing my baselines and how they might shift and change. Totally. It's been been really interesting and really fun to use things in a different way and to learn. And Jill, and I think that's where we always come from is this place of curiosity and learning and how can we help and create conversations where this stuff isn't what we avoid. We actually dive in and lean in. Um, So Jacqueline, I'm so glad you came on to share this stuff. Um, And Jill, I love, I love the questions and how it connects with what we do. So Thank, Thank you so much for having me. I love I'm it. I'm so glad you came. Love yeah. working with you. It's so, so good. you have like the best self-awareness ever, which is I always <laughs> tell people like, if you're gonna do this, like you gotta get really self-aware because we all want to be in denial about you know what our habits are and how they may be impacting us. And I think you know, you've probably experienced it with business coaching, right? Like sometimes mm. a coach will make you feel really uncomfortable, and that's the hardest part of the job, but you got to get aware. If, if you're not aware, then you're not going to be able to change things ultimately. So love it. Yeah. And one more thing, I think your secret weapon is similar to our secret weapon and it helps people lean in and that's self-compassion. I think you call it empathy, same thing, but this idea of like, you're not going to get it wrong. It's not, you're not coming from a bad place. Like these are all things that are sort of conditioned into us without us being aware. So when you give us the room to feel like, oh, gosh, I didn't even realize I was going to a place of starvation to try and control something, or mm-hmm. I thought that's how it was supposed to be or supposed to look. Um, and then that compassion comes in and it's helped me so much in terms of thinking about it with myself. It's okay. If you're not sleeping well, try adding, you know, an evening snack and just okay. getting yourself going in a way that comes from taking care, like real deep care. We hear self-care a lot, but I think it's actually self-compassion is what self-care yes. really, oh, really I love is. That. I love yeah. that. I always say I'm not the Jillian Michaels coach. I'm not gonna, you know, yeah, do 10 more, go for a yeah. run. What's your excuse? That doesn't work. It's, it's toxic to me. Um, mm. And I'm really hoping to like break that stigma in the fitness industry. I lead with empathy first and foremost, because when I do that, like you just said, it creates a space where the client feels safe Mm. with me to say things. And ultimately like a coaching client relationship isn't going to work if the client's not being totally honest with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Because then I don't have all the data. And I always come back to that. If I don't have all the data, I can't properly help you move forward in whatever direction that might be. So the empathy creates a safe space for us and tough love will come in if it ever needs to. I'm sure there's people, (laughs) plenty of clients of mine that will testify to that, but you have to lead with compassion first. We are very hard on ourselves. And Mm -hmm. I often feel like when clients come to me, they are a little bit almost 
not ashamed, but like, you feel like you should know this. And ultimately I'm like, why should you know any of this? You're sold so many um, lies, you know, as far as like diet culture and like mainstream media dieting, it's all Mm. really nonsense kind of brought about to sell whatever product they're trying to sell. Mm. Right. So you should be confused. And Mm. I think they're just like, ultimately they don't want to disappoint. Right. So Mm. the empathy creates that safe space where it's like, speed bumps are going to happen. Things are going to get in the way. We need to just keep kind of moving forward to make sure that you're making progress in months and years, really, because that's what it's about. It's not a six week, you know, challenge transformation. It's a six year (laughs) challenge transformation. Ultimately takes time. The best thing about self-compassion that I love when people talk about it is that it's like, um, it's not like this soft frou-frou thing. It actually makes you the most, it's, it's where resilience really comes from and resilience in terms of like overcoming and keeping going and like being the very best thing that you can be. You cannot be any of those things without having a really either intuitive or created self-compassion process. And so it's really this superpower for whatever for nutrition for fitness for being productive for, for your life career. yeah for <laughs> life, exactly. it, 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 it's the main driver in resiliency and yeah. ultimately no matter where you're trying to succeed if you're not resilient you won't succeed if you take failure as like well I suck and I'm just not going to mm. do this anymore because it's not for me then you you won't be successful in any like endeavor that you're trying to achieve so I love that I could not agree more And Jill, I feel like that bringing it back to kind of where we start all this stuff, it reminds me of how we start a yoga class, that idea of laying in constructive rest and feeling safe and steady. I think at LPY, we really try and create a safe place to land in the outside world so that it starts to creep in, or maybe it comes from within as well, that safe place to land when things don't go the way you expected to, where can you come back and feel safe and taken care of and encouraged to try again? So Jacqueline, if people want to find you, what's the best place? Where do you like people to connect with you? Is it through social media? Is it through your website? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Yeah. But also over on Facebook as well at move the needle nutrition. Um, And then you're welcome to friend me on my personal on Facebook as well. That's just Jacqueline Evans. Um, And we also have like a really supportive Facebook community there as well. My Instagram is Jack Evans underscore M T N N for move the needle nutrition. Mm. Um, and I'm super active there, um, as well. Yeah. She makes fun reels and (laughs) yes, we'll put it on the show notes. Yeah. All my clients will testify. I'm a little, I'm a little quirky, but (laughs) it works. Goofy's good. Yeah. All about that authenticity. It's good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. This I'm so glad you came. It's really good stuff to align and to have some good conversations. I know they help. So I'll take us out with our uh, favorite artist, Mike Borgonzano. There he is on Spotify. He's Mikey Bikes. He teaches at LPY and he's a public school teacher. And I'm so proud of his effort and his talent. So here's a little sample of his music. Have a great day. 